Hi, we're in a new episode of the History and Politics Podcast, and we are with Mila Gorayev, who is uh, the co-host of the Unacceptable Podcast and the and a writer, and she has a master's in political theory, and she's a really interesting person. Hi, Mila. <laughs> hey, how's it going? So, um, I mean, we are we were going to talk about Canada. I think we are going still to talk about it. And and what I tried to say, the idea the idea was that uh, at least I mean I'm, I'm Peruvian, so probably the people that, that follow me on social media. And, and know that, but uh, but the issue is that here in Canada we have a very idealized, or, or people in general have a very idealized vision of 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 Canada. And like, I remember, like in the in the Pan American Games of Toronto, which were covered by the TV here. So basically, like uh, uh, a reporter basically said that that can that a Canadian is basically a good American. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means and and it was really curious and, and funny that kind of description but i think in some ways it, it's it's kind of the, the the perception here i think i know that uh since more recent times you know it has been revealed like some of the links you know of those canadian for writers that have influenced the u.s for some reason and and rob four and now with the right-wing populists that also yeah. are trying to emerge But in some ways, I was saying to you before, uh, like when I wrote it, that that it was kind of less chaotic than in the U.S. I mean, I know that that the treatment toward you know, like the First Nations in Canada, so the indigenous populations of Canada, is pretty bad. Yeah. But could it be a um, uh, could what it happens in the U.S. be happening in Canada? Yeah, I mean both. I, I think a lot of people don't really uh, realize that the U.S. and Canada have very similar foundations. Um, while, you know, the U.S. has, uh, they kind of deviate, they got their independence earlier than Canada did. Um, we both have a settler society that very much still, like we still very much feel the impact of settler colonialism today. Um, so I think, you know, we both kind of have that foundation and we both do have a very militarized, we do, we have a militarized police similar to the police in the U S. So, I mean, the RCMP here, which is like our federal, uh, police force, they were initially founded in order to take indigenous children away from their parents and, put them in residential schools so it's it's not like we have a rosier founding history than the united states does and we also don't really have um policing that's necessarily having a the, our policing doesn't necessarily have a better history than the u.s's either so i think that's something to uh take into account yeah i mean i i mean i know that uh You know, Canada has been known for receiving, you know, particularly in the last y years and decades, maybe, uh, immigrants from, uh, I think, mostly from Asia, if you could correct me. But uh, uh, yeah. I think it depends. India, the Middle East. Yeah. Huh? 
I think it depends which province. Like, I think the immigration demographics are very different in each province. Uh, where I am in British Columbia, there is a lot of immigration here from Asia. Yeah, because I, I know, for example, like, uh, I have a relative that lives in Montreal. I know that, for example, Montreal tries to get engineers. Mm-hmm. And he was engineer, so he moved. <laughs> and then there are cases like that. I mean, I remember like um, when I was in the first Canadian met, I met it in elementary. So his father was an engineer, and he moved to 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 Canada. But and he married a Canadian, but then he returned, and you know he, he was he come back, and, and, and but he was uh, I guess a. a both a citizen of Peru and a citizen of Canada, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, so it, it's very curious. But when I I think that when we think in the immigrants that go to Canada generally are 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 a professional kind of of, of class, yeah, uh, compared to 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 immigrants that go to the U.S. Although it it changed depending on on, on the region. But uh, but I guess that's the perception that we have. Interesting. It's, that's an interesting perception. Yeah. I mean, Canada has a point system, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, immigration here, I think there's a, a false conception that it's easy to immigrate to Canada. I, it, it's actually not easy. It's very bureaucratic. Um, you do have to prove your economic worth. Um, and it will be dependent on the market. We we did accept a lot of refugees from Syria, uh, which is good. But I mean, yeah, it's not as I feel like people kind of portray Canada as a really immigrant friendly country. When I mean, it might be better than some, but it's not really. It's it's not a, a utopia, so to speak. Yeah, I mean the same could happen here in Latin America. I mean in Argentina, like it, it, it had a, 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 the the idea that it was friendly to immigrants, you know. But it was when immigrants were European. But when it just started mm-hmm. being, you know, immigrants from Bolivia, from Paraguay, or from Peru, they weren't too friendly to them, at least right. at the beginning. And and I mean that that things are you know quite common like and and it happens also in the Dominican Republic. So my cousin lives there, and and when he moved, actually, like the police were removing like people from Haiti. They were oh <laughs> taking it back to to Haiti. Yeah, it was it's, it gets pretty bad sometimes. And 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 when you mention about settler um, state, I think in Latin America also it happens particular with the Mapuche. Because the Mapuche were kind of an indigenous people that mostly resist colonization, and in that sense, they they uh, well they live in mostly in, in Chile, but also a population Argentina. Basically, they they fight a lot with with the with the you know like the police, and it has a lot of instances of police violence have been there. And 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 some of people argue that, for example, the reason why the the, the Chilean police is among the the most like uh, repressive police there that it exists in Latin America is because like it was trained to deal with the Mapuches. We were a much rebel force, and you know in other countries like um, the police is not necessarily like uh, that well armed. 
mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if people know about the Bolivian Revolution in 52, but ba- basically it was uh, uh, civilian forces play a huge role. I mean, which shows that, that, you know, like police forces are not that, that you know, like a, a really a huge force uh, as in other countries. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean... Um, Going back to Canada, I think it, it's interesting that you mentioned like uh, that it's not so easy to immigrate. But but the issue is that I, I guess in, in some ways uh, it is uh, less strange than in the U.S. Because I, I know, for example, uh, I have a friend with uh, her family is from India, for example, and one of his uh, cousins did a PhD in the U.S. But for some regulation, I don't remember why, he had to go at least two years to India back, and then he could try to return. And it was very weird. I mean, and I know that, I, I, know, I don't know, in his case, I haven't asked her if his cousin has to go back to the U.S., but actually, like, I remember Bice did an article, like, some, uh, like, a year or two ago, in which they were interviewing, like, uh, People in, I think, in Mumbai, and so a lot of them were were in, in in tech, and a lot of them had a study in the U.S. and a lot of them said that you know, and even some of them like got the the green card, you know, so they could technically live there more or less uh, normally, more or less. But the issue was saying that 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 when Trump came, like they felt that they were not welcome, and so they really decided to come back, and mm-hmm. it, that was kind of the. I guess in some ways, like, and I know that now it's becoming even more anti-immigrant because like now the Chinese uh, students are going to have a much harder time, at least on the, on the science uh, kind of oriented uh, graduate studies. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, something I've been hearing from uh, communities, immigrant communities in the U.S. is now they're trying to come to Canada in in light of Trump. And I think it's funny because these are very educated and highly qualified people. Like I'm talking about people who are doing PhDs in engineering um, and they feel alienated by and uh, by American culture, they feel like they're unable to, uh, they might be unable to get citizenship. And so they're now attempting to come to Canada. And honestly, I'm like, that's America's loss. <laughs> like, um, not that that should be the re- prerequisite for you to be able to immigrate, obviously. But um, I think, you know, ultimately they are shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, we've seen that immigration is a benefit to has been a benefit to American society. And I think a lot of, um, there are Canadians that do recognize that as well. Um, but there has been, I think here, a bit of a reactionary backlash. Um, I think a lot of times, uh, I, I kind of joke that Canada lags a little bit behind the U S so like Trudeau being elected was like our Obama moment. And then, you know, the conservative party, now they're trying to be more Trump like, and try out some reactionary populist politics um, where they're kind of portraying liberal immigration policies as 
people coming and storming at the gates, trying to come and ruin Canadian society when that's really that has not been the case at all um yeah. but yeah yeah i mean i think that Can- canada is in a very curious position a kind of dialectical position that in some ways its charm is not being the u.s and in other ways there are people that want canada to be more like the u.s mm-hmm. which is kind of weird yeah no definitely i i, I definitely see that happening and i, I think Um, people tend to take the sort of framework that people use to discuss American politics into Canada. Um, while we have similar origins as the U.S., while we have similar cultures, I think there are differences in our politics that we don't really count. We don't have the same political system as America does. And so uh, we try to make American discourses map onto Canada sometimes, and that doesn't always work. So, for instance, when we have people talking about immigration, uh, they're acting like we have the same immigration issues that the U.S. has when we don't. We have different borders than the U.S. has. Um, we, we had a politician call to build a wall um, <laughs> in Canada. Um, and so it's just kind of, you know, there's a, there's some Trump wannabes, I think. Um <laughs> But I don't, yeah. see, you know, I, I I think it's just funny. And the liberals do this too, um, where they try to act like Canadian conservatism is the same as the Trump variety. When I think it's more that Canadian conservatives now they want to be like Trump, but they're not quite there yet. So we just banned uh, a ton of different kinds of guns, for instance. And... Now the people who are opposing it are using very American rhetoric. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that's just yeah. It's it's. I guess it's it's complex. And and I was in theory the idea was to talk about the culture and and I feel that that's a really key issue because like I think the perception of, of Canada is that it's a very similar country to the U.S. and I think that sometimes get messed with with particular some bands that because i remember a, a music video by Avril Lavigne and she had the the american flag but i somehow i remember that she was canadian and i didn't mm-hmm. know why she had the american <laughs> flag in her music. Very yeah and, that is and, yeah and and it's kind of weird and i think in particular in music and in 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 cinema it gets kind of messy because i I think in cinema, particularly lately, like there are a lot of of American shows uh, that are recorded for for tax reasons, and some even films that are recorded for tax reasons in Canada, which it could sound kind of weird, but mm. but it 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 seems that it is like that, right? Yeah, yeah, I I definitely see the cult the culture being intertwined. Um, I mean. There are people here who wear Make America Great Again hats. It's it's really weird. I'm like, why do you care about making America great again? You don't even live there. Um and yeah, and it's it's funny. Like it's it's I think, you know, it's just become such a culture war um that has, you know, bled across to our border and so people here kind of think okay, if I'm going to be right-wing, I have to be right-wing like the Americans are. Um, and, and I think, you know, the kind of 
leader of the Trump variety exists in a bunch of different forms in different countries. I think, you know, in Latin America, you have Bolsonaro. Um, in the Middle East, you have Netanyahu and Sisi. You keep having these kind of like megalomaniac <laughs> far right wingers uh, that, you know, I think this is just becoming a thing. It's like this is right wing populism and it's bleeding across all borders. Um, but I don't think Canada's conservatives are very good at it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's possible. I think um, that's a that's I see that. I mean, I once wrote an article about Iceland. It was because I was reading about Iceland. It was very interesting. Iceland, I think, it's the only country that doesn't have right wing populists in the sense that it has right wingers, but not in the sense that, as as the as you know, like even other Nordic countries or, you know, other European countries. I think it's kind of the few, the only exception, I think. I think it maybe because it's a very small country, it, you know, so it needs the few immigrants it has to function. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I don't know much about it over there, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that, I mean, in in Africa, that's, I mean, more than right-wing populists, they kind of Salafist parties in Nigeria. And I mean, it, 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 but I, I, I get your, your point about the kind of authoritarian mold of, mm-hmm. of this kind of that And it exists here in, in Peru and several forms that are kind of weird to, to explain. And I guess someday I will try to explain it in an article or something. But, but it's, it's it, it, Peruvian politics is even weirder, I guess. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, I guess. But I was wondering, like, a, a thing that I, I've, I, I guess from outside is perceived about like Canadian culture is that it's much more related to to rock music, and I remember like that at least at one point like a lot of the link between uh, indie rock was uh, Canadian indie rock. So I think Arcade Fire was one of the first mm-hmm. indie yeah. rock bands that sounded like uh, outside. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think also faced, uh, which I think her, at least her two first records. Uh, uh, then I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there are bands that I think people that are into indie rock know them like stars or Dragonette. Uh, but, but I, I guess there was a weird moment with Grimes because like Oblivion yeah. sounded a lot. Like it was kind of a an indie hit, to say in some way, and it it, it was curious. Like it it, it seemed come out of nowhere, and 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 it was like very like somehow it entered the radio, and it was like it was kind of this weird moments, and now it's weirder with Grimes being uh, with Elon Musk, and and yeah, it it. It's it has transcended even the, the the sphere of you know like indie rocker in in some weird way. Yeah, I I never thought about that actually. I I I I think there are some interesting musical pockets in Canada for sure. I think you know definitely more so now than before. I know our our national news or like on the radio, there were quotas um, 
trying to make it so that we put enough Canadian artists on blast because apparently most artists do like we're coming from America. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all I know about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very curious, but like I think it it's it seems like because like in the nineties, I, I mean, was was. I was in elementary in the nineties, but but as far as I remember, like I think the only ones that sounded were like Sum Forty One and Avril Lavigne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I those. yeah. It it was kind of weird, and and I guess I mean Avril Lavigne was a little bit more mainstream, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean it was kind of a. a, a I guess that that there is a very complex time distinguishing what's American and, and what's uh, and what's Canadian, and, and sometimes we we get messed in them. But for example, I, there is a band that I really like a lot, and uh, I, I think it's it's very particular, which is Metric, which I think in, in some ways like it kind of pioneer in some way the sound of indie rock in in a way that that I feel. In some ways, it represents kind of a very unique sound, but I, I, I at the same time feel that it, it's kind of more of what indie rock has become, like a very kind of use much more synthesizers, but at the same time, it's not necessarily what people call now dream pop. Like it has much more of the rock attitude in some way. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how like, but I was wondering now, about the the films because also the films it's like it's very dubious like what's American and what's Canadian and there are some films that are I guess co-productions I don't know if you have seen Scott Pilgrim versus the War no I haven't I'm really bad with films I feel like I'm so behind on all the classics I I do like Michael Sarah though but yeah I haven't seen that I I can't even remember what the last Canadian thing i watched was i'm really bad <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it's curious because that film never like uh commercially released in peru but since peru has a, a very thriving like dvd black market you know of bootleg copies so it, it was kind of a, a bootleg hit and it like it's it's kind of a, a weird story that that it it's it's based on toronto and it it, it makes uh, comics, uh, uh, you know, like it's it's basically a comic adaptation of of that is related to music, be- music and 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 video games, and it's kind of weird and, and messy, but it has a charm. And I and and I there's other film that that it was it become a a a, a quite uh a, a bootleg hit that it was that was even more unexpected. It was a a film from Quebec. Uh, from this director is called Xavier Dolan. I think it, in the French uh, title, I think it's Les Amours Imaginaires, and I guess the, in English is Herbits. And in, for some reason, it was kind of a, a, a bootleg hit in some way. Uh, also, the film didn't like release commercially; so it just basically. Uh, a uh, bootleg hit, and and it, like, but people were talking a lot about it, and it was really curious. It was also an interesting screen. I mean, a screenplay. It's uh, the the director is uh, is uh, is really interesting. He's pretty young, but he has done very 
interest in films. And mm-hmm. and I, I think it's curious because like sometimes we perceive like uh, uh, Canada as, as you know like this English speaking country, but Quebec is obviously not. <laughs> and and and, yeah. and I think the, the films from Quebec also show a very kind of distinct ambition, you know, as aesthetically, but also you know like in in the kind of of contents, of dialogues, of, of themes. I mean, like, Xavier Dolan, for example, a lot of his films deal with, you know, his LGBT identity. And, and, and there, it's really interesting, I think. I only have seen, you know, three of his films. I think he's pretty young, but he has directed six or seven. Uh, but, but yeah, it's there. He's certainly someone who has an interesting, like, and, and how, how do, do Kene kind of that handles, like, bilingualism or, Oh, yeah, that's a big can of worms. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of tension there. I think that um, it's very, uh, like, how do I put it? Um, In Quebec, there is definitely a lot of disputes about it. There were laws instated to protect the French language as English became more popular. And I think that's completely understandable. Um, there's definitely uh, an issue with um, our Quebecers. I think they have, some of them are a bit bitter about the fact that we've kind of, you know, uh, that English has become so popular and I understand it. Like, I think it's completely understandable. Um, I think also in the Western provinces like BC and Alberta, they really don't, do well with French so I mean I heard that in Alberta my partner's from Alberta um that they don't taking French in high school isn't even mandatory in BC it's mandatory but it's not it's kind of a joke like most of the French I know is from my family and not from school um and even if you go to Montreal now it's very English like you don't need to know French which I think is also kind of a source of resentment. And there's now there's rules like, you know, if uh, you go into a store, the person has to greet you in French first before English. Um, And if not, they can get in trouble. Uh, Or if someone's working somewhere and they don't speak French, then they can get in trouble for that as well. Oh, yeah, that seems messy. I remember Faith in an interview said that that, she went to Canada to, rec- I think, to record one of her records. I don't remember which, but uh, she said that, like, she tried to speak to, to the French and they were kind of laughing because, like, she, like, she spoke, like, the French that people spoke in, in I think, in in Quebec. That sounds weird, but she even spoke it weird. And I think she described her French as cardboard French, as, mm-hmm. you know, like, because, like, it was like the, she said like the, you know, like the uh, cereal box French, because in the right. cereal box, like, the instructions were in, in, in both in English and French. And, and that's where the only thing she remembered, like reading in French. So, so her French was kind of messy. And that's funny. Yeah. I mean, here in Peru also, it's, it's a big topic. Uh, and, and here it's very complex because like Quechua has a lot of dialects and, and yeah, it's it, so even Quechua speakers cannot understand itself, and, and it's uh, 
And I mean, there are like, Aymara is also a, a large language, but um, but then the, the other languages are very small. So uh, their fight for, you know, kind of survival is, is really like, uh, it's really a complex and a very political issue because it, it, it needs an investment and, you know, in higher teachers that, that speak those languages and, you know, like, and making the community keep speaking those languages, but you know, in the in the most uh, generally, the most uh, small communities of the speakers have to learn Spanish because, like, uh, if not, they. I mean, like, all the universities are in Spanish, so yeah. It's uh, now some theses have been defended in in Quechua and Aymara, but uh, but you know, the, the education is in Spanish basically, and at least uh, you know, in, at the you know, at the university level. So yeah, I understand the complexities, but I was wondering how does immigrants have changed the equation? Because like immigrants from South Asia like speak like a lot of languages. I mean, in India, like yeah. it's it's a it's it's pretty. I, yeah. I don't even know. They have a ton of languages for sure. Um, yeah, it it is very diverse here, and I mean. At my job, we deal with a lot of different uh, linguistic populations. So it's like, you know, it's very, um, it's diverse here. And I think that's, it's cool. You know, you get to be exposed to a lot of different languages. Um, there's, there's no like serious language politics here outside of Quebec, I think. Um, I do know that some politicians in BC are trying to learn some of the indigenous languages, uh, but that's, yeah, that's about it. I think most immigrants come here and they learn English. There's some issues, of course, in communities where there's more poverty. Um, and in that case, then we try to accommodate them through translation services and stuff like that. I'm, Definitely sure that people face discrimination for that, which is not good. And yeah, that's that's kind of how things go over here. Yeah, because I think we we could move to our topic that I think it's 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 curious, which is also in Quebec, which I think you mentioned in, in one of the podcasts, which is la laicite. I think it, yeah, which is it's kind of the the French approach to to secularism, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. and how do you see it in the, in the Canadian context, that kind of approach? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, again, a very Quebec thing. You really don't see it outside of Quebec. In BC, we don't talk about it at all. Um, it's definitely something that's been inherited from Quebec. So I think, I mean, or inherited from France, it's in Quebec, sorry. Um, so, so basically the law right now is that there's a prohibition on wearing religious symbols if you, um, if you like any visible religious symbols, if you're, say, a public sector worker. So if you're a teacher, you can't wear a hijab or you cannot wear a yarmulke or a too large of a cross necklace. Um that's kind of the the big thing um and and so obviously that's faced opposition because people are saying that that's a um infringement of their religious freedom 
The other worry is that it's going to create uh, Islamophobic or anti-Semitic backlash because there is some tensions in Quebec uh, between Quebecois communities, Jewish communities, and Quebecois communities and Muslim communities. So some people think that the bills were motivated by animus against these groups. Um, the Some places, like my former university, McGill, had chosen to ignore the rule and not enforce it. Um, but, but yeah, that rule is still kicking. There is a ton of opposition to it, obviously. Um, but I, yeah, it's definitely, I think it's definitely comes from Quebec's desire to kind of create a similar cultural atmosphere as France. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, really curious. I mean, like here in, 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 in Peru, there are many, like, uh, so there is a, a huge Chinese, uh, uh, population, like, uh, a lot of, it, Peru is the country with the largest Chinese diaspora and it's, has been historical like that because they, they came since the, I mean, Peru has a, a, a large agriculture sector. So, Uh, it's not strange even today, like, as, uh, you know, listening to people talking in several Chinese dialects, although generally the dialects from, from this, from Southern China. So Cantonese is, is quite common, but, um, but yeah, religiously, like they generally convert to Catholicism, which is the main religion. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, like there is not something like, you know, like, There is a very small Jewish community. It was like, uh, like basically, the few crypto Jews that were like left in 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 in, in some rural parts of Peru. So until up until like the early 20th century, some people even spoke Ladino, which is the Judeo Judeo Español, which is basically a, a combined version between Hebrew and and Spanish that, that, that was spoken in, in other parts of Peru. But, you know, with the time, like people gave up, <laughs> just, just gave up and, you know, like just become more or less normal Catholics. And, and then there have been like very small Jewish immigration uh, in the World War II and after and before, but, but not that many. And, And there, there is an important, relatively Palestinian community, but also almost all of them are were were Christian, uh, a huge chunk of them are Catholic. So, yeah, in that sense, I don't think we we have faced something similar. And I wonder what it will have been if if if, if we could have faced that, because like sometimes there are kind of these ideas that you know Al Qaeda or you know like uh, uh, or or even ISIS are operating in, in, in Latin America. And, and maybe that's true in like the triple frontier, which is the frontier between Paraguay, Brazil and Argentina, because like there everything could happen. Like you, you, I mean, this is the place where you could buy, like, I'm sure uh, what would there like even anti-tank, <laughs> anti-tank miles. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a crazy place. So that's, that's a very weird place. And, And it's a place that it has basically no law. So, so yeah, I guess in that place they, they, there could be like really radicals, but I don't think like in, in most of Latin America they are really present. 
but but what you mentioned about the laicite is is interesting because I feel it in in some way I understand their point, but in other I don't. And is that that you know in some ways if you your culture is so fearful of 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 people uh, you know expressing their own culture, is that that you kind of have a fear that your culture is, is going to, to, to be lost. And, and I feel yeah. that has to do with, with the French attitude. Like for example, like France is a very protectionist about their cinema. So they have a very strong quota about like in cinema and music to try to combat American imperialism <laughs> in some way. <laughs> yeah, I for sure. I mean, there's definitely, I understand there's like desire, certain desires for cultural preservation. Um, I think it in Quebec, it's a little bit misguided. I think their true beef is with the federal government and not with immigrants um, or Jewish communities over there. I don't think, um, you know, Jewish communities in Montreal are really a threat to preserving Quebec culture and heritage um, at all. And part of it is, is no one's fault. I mean, part of it is just... English kind of won out as a language and that's what all of our media is in. That's where, you know, it's going to, it's not really going to be possible to say ban uh, English language media in Quebec, for instance. And as long as that's around, uh, I think, you know, English is still going to manage to be prominent. Um, But I think, you know, that, that was a mix, that resentment mixed with, uh, you know, the French sort of desire for secularism plus existing tensions against uh, Jewish Jewish people and Muslim people in Quebec. Um, definitely all of that combined together creates a very tense atmosphere. And I think that also is behind this law, the secularism bill. It's kind of more than just a secularism bill. It has a whole history behind it. Yeah, I, I think that there is like, uh, I mean, in some ways, uh, I guess that it it, it there is a, a play in there because like uh, in the in the case of France, like the the secularism is is kind of laughable in some way because like the French community has been there like from a long time ago, like it's uh, in in Paris, one of the oldest uh, communities, like so. It's not, you know, like something new. It's something that has been an integral part of, of their story. And, and yeah, that's kind of, uh, and, and it's kind of weird because I, I was interviewing like uh, uh, an Irish guy, which is, it's a podcaster, a fellow podcaster, but he's based in, in Berlin, but he's, into an email, and what he tells me is that, for example, like in 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 France, there is a lot of respect for for Japanese culture, oh, and okay. like you, you know, like it's there is a lot, and and actually, like I, I checked the statistics of, of that like interview because we talk about like the relationship between an email and socialism, and for some reason, like most of the people that listened to that interview were from France, so he was right. <laughs> I don't know how, but but he was right. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, it was pretty like 
something that I didn't expect, but, but yeah, I, like sometimes we don't think in French as attackers, but I, I guess like they are, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, but, but I guess that, that has to do with, you know, the kind of perceptions that we were talking about, like Canada, you know, like people kind of feel that, you know, Canadians are good, quote unquote, whatever that, that, that cool me, but in the way that I guess in some ways people think that Canadians talk slightly more polite than, than Americans who are kind of <laughs> Yeah, I've yeah. heard that too. I think it, it'll depend on the province. Um, yeah, I think I mean, people in BC are pretty nice. I mean, because we have here that some people refer, for example, Alberta as the Texas of Canada, which is kind <laughs> of weird. Yeah, I guess it would depend where. I've only been to Calgary and Banff. Um, so I can't really say much about it. It it's, just seems like a regular city to me, but their government seems to be quite uh, wild, for sure. Uh, they're definitely, uh, they are going a very far right route right now and um, really appearing uh, appealing to uh, far-right resentment against uh, liberalism and whatever whatever they think socialism is that <laughs> so yeah. yeah but but I don't know to, to how degree like I mean I don't know how is Canadian like television do, do they broadcast like uh, uh, American programs or do it's yeah. a legislation? Yeah. Yeah, I would say I probably wa have watched more American stuff than Canadian stuff, sadly. I'm not that patriotic. Yeah, I guess, like, because here, like, I mean, basically, like, old American stuff is in cable. So just, I mean, like, at one point, like, they put friends and was on regular TV. But, but now, like, basically, like, funny enough, like, a lot of what, you know, like uh, now, like Peruvian TV is, is is streaming is like uh, uh, Turkish, uh, Indian, and Korean soap operas, which is kind oh, of serialist. Okay. Yeah, the other day uh, it was like it was an Indian like soap opera. I catch it that was talking about Brahman, and it was wild. I mean, it's kind of a, a transnational moment, and it's it's really it's getting like very very curious and yeah it's 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 very i guess in some ways uh that's the curious part uh, i feel that um it's when when you try to for example in peru like there is a lot of you know news about for example chile which is a, a country which is uh, next to us and we had a war with Chile so a lot of and a lot of uh, Chilean investments are are in are in Peru and now a lot of Peruvian investments are in Chile so in that relationship is kind of like uh, a very long-standing relationship but we don't have like Chilean media and the same thing with Bolivia which is a much more complex history but uh, at one point we're united as one country at the other point not and it's kind of much strange even history uh, but but yeah, in that sense, like we also don't have like uh, media from from there. So um, it's 
in that sense, I guess like the issue, I guess probably New Zealand happens with with Australia is that being next to a very huge uh, entertainment market, you you get a lot of the things that is from the other country, and and in some ways it, it kind of mixes to some degree with 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 the what it's in in Canada, I guess to some degree. Uh, yeah, I mean. I think it's it, I, media has been very internationalized. You know, something I've noticed here is uh, anime is really popular. Um, so yeah, like a lot of Japanese media. I've watched a little bit of Bollywood, um, not a lot, but it's it's very uh, it's very dramatic, <laughs> um, and and very entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we, we consume a lot of international media here, um, probably more so than Canadian media, but I don't know. Sometimes I discover things are Canadian and I never knew it. <laughs> I don't know if you have heard of Alan Levy, but he's a, he's a, a basically a policy wonk in, 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 in transportation issues, but he made a comment that I think it was very important. And I think it, it reveals a lot of what I have think about America, that I think the U.S. is defined by a kind of, you know, like solipsism. So a lot of Americans wouldn't think, even in transportation policy, which in the U.S., like public transport, as far as you know, is pretty bad. So they compare, like, at, at most, like, between cities. So they acknowledge, like, Paris exists and Berlin exists and but they they didn't even like you know like try to learn what those cities have to do. So and, and so he said like I mean he he did his PhD in mathematics from Colombia and he said that even you know the well educated people are very solipsistic about the U.S. Like they only talk about the U.S. and you know unless mm-hmm. they are you know like kind of specialist in one area of the world like they have a very in, in that sense I guess like Canadians are less because they they uh, like a lot of their examples are, are from the U.S. To, to start with. And so in that sense, like, it makes them less, you know, like, solipsis around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, there is definitely, um, I don't know, I, I think there was a funny speech, uh, you know, when Parasite won uh, that award. I think, was it the Grammy or the Golden Globe? I don't even know anything about these things. They won, the Parasite won some major film award and the director went up and was saying, you know, Americans, if you guys just got used to wanting to read subtitles, uh, then you would be a lot like you'd be exposed to so much more because um, there was just this huge aversion in America to uh, wanting to watch foreign films that had subtitles, which is pretty funny um but yeah i mean i think you know as time goes by you know the fact that parasite even won something there it shows that things are changing i think um which is a great film by the way probably the best one that i saw all year so definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it yeah i i I saw it and it's it's really interesting um yeah i mean I think it's 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 very curious because I don't know if, if uh, uh, in a previous conversation I'll, I'll told you about a film that was called Trotsky that it was yeah. it was it was shot in, in in Montreal and it was about like uh, a guy who a high school guy who feel that it was the reincarnation of Trotsky 
And mm-hmm. but at the same time, I, I it, it's 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 kind of the film that at least in 2009 when it was shot, I, I honestly doubt that it will have been shot in the U.S. But at the same time, at least the perception I have is that Trotskyism is not a big thing in Canada as it is in the U.S. Or at least, I mean, it's maybe not necessarily that that big of a thing, but for some reason, like Trots make a lot of noise online in the U.S. And, and that yeah. no we have trots don't don't worry about that we got a ton of them <laughs> uh they would like table at my campus at mcgill and uh try to give us pamphlets and stuff like that they're very they're very out there for sure yeah funny enough in bolivia it was like in argentina and bolivia it's it's the countries that you know trots really were uh, kind of big in, in, at one point, and and in Bolivia, in, in in Argentina, I think it, it remains to be like there are a lot of throats, and it's kind of a, a subculture in some way in Argentina. <laughs> because they 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 may like pop rappers, but mixed with Trotskyism quotes, and, and yeah, it's 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 pretty like surreal in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's very curious because I remember now that I. Um, we are talking about films again. I remember, like some years ago, like the film festival in here in, in Lima. It, it was like uh, um, it has a section that was funded by by the Canadian embassy, and they showcase like uh, films from Quebec, so in, uh, French speaking films. And it was okay. curious, and, and I remember, like, it was it was one of the few embassies that really was invested in, into showing films, and I think it, it wanted to show that that Canada was not Canada is not just you know like English speaking, like it, it has kind of this cultural diversity, and and I guess in that sense, uh, I don't know, it, it wants to portray itself as different than than, than the U.S. and and in some ways it's it's kind of a differentiation, but at the same time you you're saying that English is kind of winning the war, so it's 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 in a very weird position. Yeah. 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 It's. Yeah, I mean, I guess that uh, another thing that I was going to wonder is that you you have mentioned like the idea of, of that you know a lot of of Canadians take the talking points from the U.S. and the, how is the universities in Canada? Because like in some ways they are different than, you know, like liberal scholars, which I think have been the point of ire of many uh, American right wingers. And, and in that sense, I guess like, um, the they differ like their the, the the politics like the Syrian politics are what in what way it could be like different from 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 the U.S. Um. Okay. So I mean, it depends how big the school is. I went to a pretty big school and like a very international school, so there were a lot of professors from everywhere. I would actually say the majority of my professors were American. <laughs> um. I like I, I also have I have to say that most of them were not like far left. Most I think are just liberals. They're pretty benign. I've had some libertarians as well. Um there's definitely 
a hysteria about campuses, but I think that's more just a way to get ratings and views. I, I, I think, you know, there's definitely the average or there's, de- there's definitely a controversy from time to time, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't think the schools here are super different. What is different is our tuition is much lower than in the States. So a lot of Americans actually come to Canada now to go to school because the tuition is cheaper. Yeah, I think Michael Moore did a, a documentary and he went to Slovenia because in Slovenia, university is free and some programs are in English. <laughs> But funny enough, like it, it's not philosophy because if it were philosophy, like they will have like Slavok Žižek as, as professor and that will be like, I have my issues with with Zizek, but it will be kind of a, a, yeah, an epic kind of anecdote having Zizek mm-hmm. as professor. Yeah, I think so. I I really like him. I I think he he gets some flack, but I do I do enjoy him. Yeah, it's he says some interesting things. I I guess I guess the does the number of international students have grow like. Uh, lately right that's what i have he- been hearing because a lot of the students who were thinking in, in going to, to the u.s are now going to canada oh yeah i don't know i mean that's that's just what i said was just kind of anecdotal i knew a lot of americans that came to canada just to you know get slightly cheaper tuition <laughs> yeah i mean Yeah, I mean, even here in Peru, like, tuitions are are growing, although, like, public universities are completely free. So, I, I, like, mm-hmm. when I decided I didn't pay anything. And funny enough, like, even, like, Vargas Llosa, which technically is a libertarian, defends, like, free, like, free tuition at public universities. So, I mean, like, I guess, like, I, I guess the problem also of American libertarians is they don't listen or libertarians in other parts that have some arguments that differ with them. But yeah, I mean, I guess that in some ways I remember like, uh, yeah, now that you mentioned like university, I was remembering that, that there have been like sometimes a representative from the, from the, you know, the Canadian embassy actually calling on, on, on Peruvian students, you know, to, to study in Canada. I know that there are a lot of of, of Peruvian students is, is, with the world studying in, in in the in the U.S. It has grow a lot. I mean, basically because the education here is pretty mediocre. I have to sadly mm-hmm. admit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird move the internationalization of of of, of academia, and I think it's it, it has like a lot of of uh, of weird kind of. Uh, elements that that are going to be difficult to to understand in some way because i kind of feel that you know now that this crisis is 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 getting very hard uh, for one moment i feel that there is going to be like immigration but unlike other times it's going to be like more of a middle class uh, an upper middle class immigration and and it in the end is going to affect like the rest because like Uh, some of the people that you know, like put small business and things like that, and and and, and that is going to be like. But at the same time, I, I don't know, like how. By the way, I mean now that that we were supposed to to talk about like uh, 
the coronavirus pandemic, but how like Canada has handled it? Because like once and then we get news from Canada here in Peru, but now like we mm -hmm. haven't heard like anything. So how yeah. it has um it okay, so I mean Canada is very big and I think Uh, each province has been handling it differently. So it really, again, I feel like I've said this so many times, but I guess it's true. It's just everything kind of differs from province to province here, um, even culturally speaking. Um, but at where I'm at, we're very lucky. It's in, in British Columbia, we've been dealing with it well. I think people have been a little bit more compliant than in other places. So our cases are down here. It's mostly the problem is in uh, nursing homes and prisons. Uh, other places like Quebec, are, it's just a disaster. There's been facilities that have had a 100% infection rate, uh, like long-term care facilities, and have had to become taken over by the government. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it really depends on how... on like how each government's handling it. We're very lucky in BC. I think in BC, we started a bit earlier and that kind of gave us a, an edge. Yeah, that's, that seems, yeah, that I, I remember, like, I think I interviewed once Samuel Hammond was, with, uh, with a, I guess, a, a, a policy wonk. And he was saying something that, that sounded weird, but I, I think now that you are saying it, it makes much more sense that, In some ways, Canada is more decentralized than the U.S., which could sound strange, but it kind of is because I feel in, in some ways in, in the U.S. there is kind of a national narrative that marks down a lot of things, but in Canada it's kind of more decentralized in some ways. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert on decentralism, but he says that on some issues it's even more decentralized than, than Switzerland, and I, I really like that. That is something I, like I didn't know that much about Switzerland to be honest, but. Because in some ways, like Switzerland is like very radical, and it's kind of a centralization. You, you could get a, a basically a referendum for anything, basically there. But yeah, I mean, you, I mean, that's important. I think uh, Peru is very culturally diverse, but uh, the regional governments are very incompetent. And at the end, like it's just what the what the central government does, what what it happens. So. Yeah, so I mean, it's very culturally diverse, but you know, uh, the policies are not too decentralized because yeah, the go the regional governments are pretty incompetent generally. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess that's the difference. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we 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 have had a, an interesting conversation trying to yeah, distinguish definitely. Canada from the U.S. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so, where could people find more of your work and follow you if, if yeah yeah you so i think i'm the loudest on my twitter account um so it's just said contra s-e-d-c-o-n-t-r-a underscore um and i've been i did a little bit of writing for this new canadian magazine called passage i really recommend people check it out some fresh takes from a leftist Canadian perspective, which you don't see in our media that much. Um, so yeah, definitely check out Passage, check out, uh, I'll, I'll probably publish a bit more with them soon. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it, it was a real pleasure. Thank you, Mila. No problem.